He said that because of this, because of God's forgiveness in my life, because I can bring anything to him, and he will have mercy on me if I come to him in repentance. Because of that forgiveness, it causes me to want to sing to the Lord. If you showed up this morning, and you're really not feeling it, maybe you need to be reminded that our sin is great. There's a huge, huge gap between us and Jesus. Us and God's forgiveness. And you know what? Jesus gave his life so that could be removed. And we can have a relationship with that, with, with God. Do you realize that without Jesus, we would be absolutely hopeless? There's nothing you can do to make up for your sins because God had mercy on you. He came before with a repentant heart and he forgave you. That should make you want to sing to the Lord. It should make us men who are really uncomfortable singing. It should make us want to sing. Amen.
all hope that as a uh, as a church that we can continue to grow in our worship together. I know that it's so easy to come here and, and listen and not be a part uh, of worship. But you know what? Worship is not for entertainment. Dude, it's really not. And it's so, we're, we're so used to listening to music. A lot of times when the music just starts playing, you just naturally want to listen. But the reason why we play these instruments is because we're lifting up a noise to the Lord that backs up the voices of God's people. Amen? Hopefully you come here and you can push yourself to sing even when it doesn't feel right. Worship needs to submit. I've said it a thousand times. Worship is not meant to be comfortable. It's not. As, especially as men. And there's some women that are the same way. You're just like, sin is just not my thing. But the Bible says to lift up a joyful voice to the Lord. You can, hey, here's what singing is. Singing is talking. Just hold your word out a little bit. Everybody in here should talk, right? Yeah. So just hold your words out a little bit longer and you're singing now. Congrats. You know what? God loves to hear you sing. He does. He gave you a voice because he wants to hear it. So you guys push yourselves. Be uncomfortable because Jesus was uncomfortable for you on that cross. And that's what he asked in return is that he lift up his name and sing. Amen. I'll sing this with us.
are so thankful for all that you do for us, God, that you uh, won the battle for us on the cross, and we're so thankful that you offer mercy to each and every person who will call on your name. God, I pray that if there's somebody here who is lost and who doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that they would not be able to leave this place uh, in comfort, God, but that, uh, that you would have a moment with them, that you would draw them to you, uh, and God, that they would give their heart to you and, and start a new life and a new walk with you. God, I'm so thankful for uh, for this church and uh, all the people here. God, I pray that you would speak to us, that you'd give us hearts and ears to listen. Uh, and not just listen, but do your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. a whole bunch of people who just live their lives by faith. And uh, as I was studying about that, I thought, you know, as a whole new mindset that you, when, when you walk by faith, when you live your life by faith, following Jesus, there's no telling where he's going to take you, what he's going to do with you, your life is, is totally in his hands. And when you, when you walk by faith, you can't live for the here and now. He changes your perspective from a worldly view and what you're going to become and and how far you're going to climb the ladder and all of those things. And it changes it to a heavenly perspective to, to live for eternity. And uh, it makes you a traveler. And uh, that's what this song is, is called. And my hope. Can I get a guitar? My hope is that I'll live my life like that. It says that their eyes were fixed on the city whose builder and maker is God. Just to be reminded that my home is not here. Uh, and that I'm here because I have a purpose uh, to lead as many people to Jesus as I can while I'm here. I'm not to man, I'm not meant to set up my my kingdom here. I'm living and, and preaching God's kingdom. Amen. Me and Cody barely have voices again this week, so we're gonna do the best we can. Yeah, 
so many words going through your head. I promise I wrote this song. I was sitting right there in the same spot, don't know where to you call my name. Well, I left there on life, no looking back, there I go, I sure could say. Now I'm shorter if you preach this morning, I promise you. All right, y'all open to Leviticus 23. We're going to finish this series this morning. I could preach on this, honestly, probably about six more months, but I ain't. I'm getting antsy to move on, so I'm going to kind of go through this this morning and I'm actually going to finish a series. <clears throat> I want to do something real quick. So, so you got, let's see, you got Randall and Erica and Jeremy, Cody, Lane, uh, Cody, Chico, 
and Jacob's not here. Uh, Willie, and then scratch Willie on this. He's too old. So if you're here, if you're here, which I know Chico, Chico was raised in a different church, and I know that people are visiting, but if you're here and you was like you taught any of those young people, Sunday school, preached at them, youth, anything like that, babysat them in the church, raise your hand up. Come on, I know, I know Willie did, I know David and Renee, my wife. Anybody else? Who's that? Y'all a bunch of sorry folk didn't even invest in them. No. <laughs> no. What I want to say is there's other people, we, which my crew, we've been in two different churches, but I just go, ain't that awesome that, that you sowed seed and, and now they're leading us? You know, every one of them just to see that and be a part of that. People who work with kids go, I don't see the point in this kid because all he's doing is wiping snot and spitting on me and that kind of stuff. One of these days he might be spitting at you. Leading you in worship for you know, so God bless the ones who invested in my kids. I appreciate that greatly. <clears throat> All right. I'm gonna give you a, a pretty good bit of scripture this morning. I'm gonna kinda go through some information and facts. I started this um series off telling you I, I want you to be careful how you hear my words. With the possibility, I want to stress the possibility that the Lord could return. And let me say it like this, sometime between 2023 and 2030, this is where me and my wife are at at this point. We have a strong belief in the possibility that the Lord is coming during that time period. The reason I say between that just depends on, it doesn't depend on what you believe in your theory of the rapture. It depends on when the Lord decides he's coming back. You know, some people believe pre-tribulation rapture, some are in the middle there's even a theory of split, and uh, and then there's the post, post towards the end of the tribulation. I'm at the end, but I, you know I'm be totally wrong, and in some ways I hope I am. So with that, I'm not going to get so focused on the rapture. I think sometimes when we study, you know, Book of Revelation, that kind of stuff. When we look at prophecy, we get so focused on trying to prove when the rapture takes place. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, here's the point: the end's coming. And when we, when he decides to take us out as witnesses, that's his business and, and he'll give us the grace to do whatever it is we're called to do <coughs> prior to that. I do want to say this. And, and, and again, I do say I'm just teaching you on the possibility. The Lord might come back a thousand years from now. Okay? I don't know. But I'm just going to give you some information on why I believe this at this point in my life and, and biblical, uh, scriptures based on that. We've been studying, uh, Leviticus, the feast days. And again, this is not every detail of the feast days. Otherwise, I'd have to preach on it a really long time. So I'm going to kind of go quick through this, just give you some highlights. You write it down, study it out yourself. Last week, we finished up with a feast of first fruits. So the, so the spring feast, there's three spring feast days, which are Passover, um, uh, unleavened bread, and the feast of first fruits. Let me say there's four. Feast of first fruits. Each one of them, Jesus fulfilled. He fulfilled them on the day. Uh, that they were, that they are. We talked about all this. I won't have a lot of time, but <clears throat> the only other, uh, through his death, burial, resurrection, okay? The only other feast day that's in the fall, and I'm going to have to cover this really quick. There's a whole lot to it, but I'm just going to say this, is the feast of, the Bible calls it the feast of weeks. It's the feast of Pentecost. Starting off in verse um, 15, it says, And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, uh, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths, or seven weeks, 49 days, shall be completed 
Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then you shall offer new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave. Okay, I'm not going to read that. You can read that for later for yourself. So this is 50. Penta, penta means 50, okay? Pentecost, where we get the name 50 weeks. <clears throat> so from that time of the resurrection, there were 50, I mean 50 days. 50 days uh, in which until the day of Pentecost. And you all know the story. The Lord... Uh, stayed with his disciples 40 days. He taught them uh, and, and the things that, that he had desired for them to do as his church. And then on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, it talks about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for believers. Here's the thing that I want you to get out of this. There's a whole lot there, but this is the main point I want you to get. The first Pentecost took place 50 days after um, the, the Lord delivered them from Egypt. In the book of Exodus, he brought them out of Egypt. <clears throat> 50 days later, he gave them the law. So they received the law on Pentecost. Now, on the first Pentecost, this is, a, this is not just a coincidence. On the first day of Pentecost, when they got the law, you know, all the people worshiping the idols, Moses up getting the law from the Ten Commandments and the law from the Lord. They were down on the bottom of the mountain worshiping idols, dancing around, you know, and that kind of stuff. And the Lord sent Moses down because they, they provoked his wrath. In that, 3,000 people died that day because they provoked God's wrath. Something we don't talk about today because it's not politically correct. 3,000 people died. But when you get, that's under the law. Okay, that's the law of God. The law magnifies the holiness of God. God's holy. Okay, he doesn't look at sin the way we look at sin. And when you break God's law, okay, it apart, listen to this, apart from Jesus... If Christ had no, if he had not come to sacrifice, we would face the wrath of God. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you face the wrath of God by your own choice. God loves you. Provide a sacrifice for us. That's why we're here thinking about Jesus. Amen. Because those 3,000 people were struck down. Now, when you look at the, 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 the Pentecost after Christ's resurrection, then what happened? The Spirit indwelled in believers you know in that day they was preaching the gospel all the different dialects all the different people there peter stands up he preaches the gospel three thousand people saved so what is god saying he's like over here i give the law and under the law we're all guilty under the law we face god's wrath god's desires for us to come to a place of repentance he's provided a way that we can be saved from that wrath and judgment because there's a judgment day coming and the day of Pentecost, God indwells believers with His Spirit. The Spirit gives life. And His desires for people to be saved, He empowered His church, carried the gospel, preached to them the words of life and hope. God's ultimate desire for every sinner is to repent, to believe on Jesus, to be saved from the wrath to come. So is there still a wrath to come? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No matter what, you know, churchy people have tried to make God out to be, God's holy. <clears throat> and on the day, you know, there's so many people want to know when, when is the, when is this day coming? You know, like they can do something for themselves. What you can do is you can repent, and trust in Jesus, and you look forward to it to the day. Okay, so here's the thing: you got four fall feet, four spring feasts. And I'm gonna run over a little bit this morning. Y'all can get up and leave if you don't want to listen. Four spring feasts. Okay, then you got a time period of summer. Okay, what is that? What does that summertime represent? It's a time where you sow seed. It represents the work of God's church, working in the fields of the world, working in the fields, I want to stress this, of your children. 
your grandchildren, your friends, your relatives, your coworkers. You're sowing seeds of the gospel. You're, you're telling them the truth, even though a lot of them don't want to hear it. You love them enough to put yourself in some ridiculous positions to express to them, there is a day of judgment coming. The fall is coming. And there's a day of God's wrath in which unbelievers face that, that punishment for their sin. Not a popular message. <clears throat> so you go through the summertime, and that's where we're at right now. So what should we be doing? Quit worrying. Here's where I'm at. If you're, if you're a born-again believer, you know I'm, I'm a born-again believer. I'm saved. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 13, 14, and there's a hundred other verses I'll stand on. You have been sealed until the day of redemption. You're not trying to work to keep God happy. Jesus worked to save your soul. If you've been granted that grace, you're a born-again believer, you don't got to sit around and go, I just need to make sure I'm ready. Quit making sure you're ready to make sure other people are ready. That's what we're called to do, okay? And so in that, you get to the fall feast. I'm going to read this, verse 23. You start three, three fall feasts. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial blowing trumpets, holy convocation. You shall do no customary work in it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. This is the Feast of Trumpets. Cover that in just a second. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls, be in repentance. And offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. You shall do no work in the same day for the day of atonement to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in his soul. That means a person who is not sorrowful for their sins. They're not in a place of repentance and turning from their sins. On that same day shall be cut off from his people. And any person who does any work on that same day, that person I will destroy. Say, what's the deal? Quit working for your salvation. Come to a place of repentance and trust. Nowhere in the Bible will you show me. Nowhere. Where you show me where when they ask, for instance, on the day of Pentecost, they ask Peter, what will we do? Repent and be baptized for remission of sin. Not talking about water baptism, okay? Repent. Jesus, when, when Jesus preached the gospel, you look at, you know, in Matthew, Luke, all the gospel, when Jesus came preaching, what did he preach? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't say, try harder, do better, work more. He said, repent. And believe. Repent and believe. Why do we work? Because we've repented and we believe. That's why we work. Okay? <clears throat> you don't, you don't try to become a house builder. You know, you build because you are a builder. Alright? Now, when you look at this, you got, uh, let me finish this up. I'm trying to go fast. I'm sorry. Verse 33 said, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying the, the 15th day of this month. So you got the first, the 10th, and the 15th. Of the seventh month, depending on their calendar, it can be September or October. Our, it's our, that's our September or October, okay? Depending on the moon. Shall be the Feast of Tabernacles seven days to the Lord. On the first day, it shall be a holy convocation or a holy assembly. You shall do no customary work on it seven days. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation assembly. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Is a sacred assembly. You shall do no customary work. In that day, okay, to save time, you read that later for yourself. Here's what I want to give you this morning, okay? On the Feast of Trumpets, actually that's a two-day celebration, basically what they do. And they they sounded several different trumpets. It wasn't just one or two, several trumpets that they sounded. Okay, On, on that day, the last one that they sounded, they call it the last trump. 
Okay, that's a positive for pre-tribulation. <clears throat> the last trump. And so you remember in 1 Corinthians 15 that Paul said, the Lord's return, he said, at the last trump. So there's a connection there. But what it was was, there's a lot of reasons throughout the scripture you'll look at uh, that they sounded trumps, called war, assembly calling. And one of the things was a warning. And what the reason of this every year, remember every year they were reminded of their sins until Christ came and made the atonement. He fulfilled this and there's going to be another fulfilling of it in, in prophetically. But the reason that they sound the trumpets is to remind the people. You've got ten days until the day of atonement. It's called the ten days of awe. And so every year, just, just this September, when the trumpet sounded, the Jewish people were reminded of the day atonement coming. Okay, And that I need to come to a place of repentance in my life. They were reminded of their need for repentance, getting things in order. If you got somebody that, that you have ought in your heart with, hatred towards you, doing things, the trumpet would be a reminder. It's still going to be, I believe, for me, I believe that in that day, the feast of a trumpet, when the trumpet sound, okay, it's a signifying of the seven-year tribulation that's coming and there's going to be a time period of judgment. Not the whole thing is not wrath. Okay, The seven years is going to be seven years of judgment. And God's purpose in that is still to call people to repentance. It's a reminder of the day of wrath is here. Understand at that moment when that takes place. I think it's very possible that that's going to take place in the fall of 2023. And I'll tell you why. Stay with me. <clears throat> To call people to a place, especially to wake up God's people in the church. Because we're the ones who should be preaching to people. Every one of us should be sharing the gospel of hope going, there's a day coming. And here will be my question to you for all the people. Go, I want to know why. Why do you think that? I have people since I started this. I want to know why you believe that. What do you, what do you got going? How are you getting ready? And, and all that kind of stuff. Thinking, for me, how I'm getting ready is I'm trying to gear my life more towards trying to reach lost people. It's not, well, let's hole up somewhere and stack up a bunch of bullets and, and, and food and all this stuff. I'm like, why? Why? You got seven years, tops, if you make it, if you survive it. Seven years, you're going to be standing before the one you say you worship. Seven years, tops. Most of us won't make it through any part of that seven years. Just very little if the Lord doesn't come back. And so in that, why in the world you want to hole up somewhere just to survive when you've got thousands of people that you know that need Jesus who face a day of wrath? And so in that, <clears throat> I want you to look. You don't have to look. If you don't want to, you can write it down. In the book of Revelation, throughout the whole time of the tribulation period, the last seven-year tribulation period, I know there's a lot of people here who you're unchurched and you, and you don't know what I'm talking about. Just keep coming. You'll get it, okay? But in Revelation chapter 9, in case you don't know, there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period, a time on this earth, the Bible says, like this world has never seen, it's going to be literally hell on earth. The devil's going to be set loose to do whatever he so pleases. Okay, it's what the book teaches. But God's purpose in this, Revelation 9.20, it says this. But the rest of mankind, this is after all that God's been pouring out, these judgments, okay, these judgments like we've never seen. And it says, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of their works of their hands that they should not worship demons, idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood. Neither can 
which can neither see nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, of their sexual immorality, of their thefts. So what was God's purpose in bringing them to these judgments? It was to bring them to a place of repentance. Some of you might go, well, I don't worship things made of wood, silver, gold. I'm like, get real. We keep it in our pocket. We put it in the bank. We work. We strive. We think. We get massive education. We do everything we can do so that we can have silver and gold and all of the things that we have. Images, the Benjamins in your billfold. Maybe you've only got one. Maybe you got a thousand. Some of us worship those idols. And we live for that. Come on, y'all. Y'all get with me because you're sitting there going, you do too. I have. I'll be real with you. I have. I've geared my life a lot of times in idol worship. Not that I bow down and go, oh, I praise the $100 bill. But I get up. Oh. And push so that, not because I have a need, but because I have wants. Call it for what it is, okay? And, and uh, you know, I also want to say this, in case you don't have a problem with idols or that kind of stuff, the whole sexual immorality that's a plague in our culture. You know, some of you probably have things on your phone here today. You might say, oh, it's no big deal. God calls it sexual immorality. And when you look at the word sorceries, I want to touch on this because this is rampant in our culture. The word sorceries in the Greek word comes pharmakia. It's where we get our, our word pharmacy or pharmaceuticals. It means drug abuse, the use of drugs. They would not repent of their drug abuse. So you're telling me that I could face the wrath of God just because I smoke a little marijuana? It's called sorcery. God calls it sorcery. It's the opening up to the demonic world is what it is. You deal with it, okay? All right, now, looking in chapter 16, let me give you this real quick. Chapter 16, Revelation. Man, I'm running out of time. I'm just going to finish this morning. Okay, honestly, y'all, if y'all got something cooking at the house, you're not going to bother me if you go. Okay, <clears throat> 16, let me find my place in verse 9. It gets better as I go to. It says, And men were scorched with great heat, And notice their response, they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues and they did not repent and give him glory. God's purpose on the day, when you're looking at the day of atonement, you also look at the seven year tribulation is going to be a, a picture of the day of atonement. And God in the trumpet gives a warning, a call to repentance. And all of a sudden, because here's the thing, God shows us grace at this point. You know, the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God's long-suffering with us, not willing that any should perish, but all should what? Come to repentance. doesn't say come to church. It says come to repentance. Okay? And so in that right now, we're seeing God's grace. But I, I actually, what the world's doing is they're making a mockery of God's grace. The church is making a mockery of God's grace. Oh, we're saved. We got plenty of time. Hope everybody else gets in that kind of stuff. God's like, I'm giving you a time period here where you're experiencing grace. And God loves us enough. God loves you enough that if grace doesn't get your attention, judgment does. So God shifts here from grace dealing with, he's still being gracious, just a little bit different into bringing about judgments upon sin, bringing about judgments on the world, bringing about judgments upon the rulership of this world at that time, to where the people who are clinging to and hoping in all the things and, and the sin in their life and the things of this world and all their hopes, all of a sudden the things you're, you're finding life in is dying and falling apart in front of you, and you look up and you're like, you know what? I'm facing eternity. What good is the money? 
What good is the trophies? What good is the recognition? I'm fixing to face Jesus. I better get right or I'm going to get left. Come on, y'all. <clears throat> a little amen get me done a whole lot faster. Okay, amen. That's right. There we go. I hear you. So then you go, I got to stay focused. Then you go to what's called the Feast of Ingathering. Okay, y'all. Let me flip. I got to go to Revelation chapter 7 real quick. You can write these down because it's really good if you go back and study it yourself. Okay. When you come to, you got the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Atonement, and then you got the Feast of Ingathering. Okay, or the Feast of Tabernacles. It was the last harvest. I believe this is where you're going to see the resurrection and rapture. It was a time where they gathered up the harvest. Think about this. They, they were celebrating. Uh, the reason it's called tabernacles is because they would take and they would build what they call booths. We call it little huts out of, out of branches and stuff. Because remember when, they, when, they, when God brought them out of Egypt, he led them through the wilderness. That wasn't their home. Very difficult time in their life. But God always took care of them, provided. And he was leading them to a, a place they called home. But they stayed in these booths. And so the Feast of Tabernacles, every year they build these and they stay in them to remind them of God's provision. God took care of them. God had a purpose and a plan. And God did exactly what he promised with them. Okay? In the Feast of Tabernacles, there's going to be, I believe it's the resurrection and rapture of the saints, the final in gathering into God's barn. Okay? And you'll notice in Revelation chapter 7, a lot of disagreements on this, no big deal. But in Revelation chapter 7, this is right at, after the 6th seal towards the end of the tribulation he said after these things i look and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations tribes people tongues standing before the throne before the lamb clothed in white robes and notice what it says here with palm branches in their hands so what's the deal with the palm branches that's what you can read leviticus 23 that's what they used in the celebration of the feast of tabernacles it was remember when jesus rode in uh, on, on, on that day, on the, on the foal of a donkey, what they were putting in the road, it's the ushering in of a king. Palm branches they lay before him. The king's been ushered in at this point. <clears throat> and it says, and I think that's we, we, okay? We're standing before the Lord, crying with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God. Who sits on the throne to the Lamb. All the angels stood around about the throne. Elders, 24 living creatures, fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, and wisdom. Thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? Where did they come from? And he said, Sir, you know. So he said, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes. They have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And notice what it says. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them, lead them in the living fountains of water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, the promised land. We're celebrating. At that moment in time, hopefully you will be in that crowd. And at that moment in time, we are celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Our travels, like Jeremy, that's why I wanted to sing that song. We are just traveling through this world. This is not our home. But one day when the Lord comes back, we will be in our eternal home. Tears wiped away. Perfect new body. Restored in his kingdom in the way he intended to be before sin. Robbed us of that. And Jesus is the one who gets all the glory. Now here's where it gets good. In Leviticus 25, look there real quick. Look, write it down if you don't want to flip, okay? Leviticus 25, 8. 
Every 50 years, pardon me. Every 50 years, there was one more feast. It's called the Feast of Jubilee. In, the, in, in verse, uh, Leviticus 25a, I'm just going to read you one verse. You go back and read the whole deal for yourself, okay? It says, you should count seven Sabbaths of years. It's 49 years. Seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years will be 49 years. Then you shall cause the trumpets of Jubilee to sound in the 10th day. Remember, that's on the Day of Atonement. In the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. You shall consecrate the fiftieth year, proclaim, proclaim liberty throughout all the land, all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee year or jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. Okay, so what this is, is every fifty years, the way it works, they would sound, the beginning of the tribulation starts with the trumpet, and the end of it starts with the trumpet. The jubilee represents the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And so in that, it was a time where when they, when they celebrated the year of jubilee, if you sold yourself into slavery, you were redeemed and set free. If you had sold land, your possessions came back to you. You were restored your family. So it's called the, the year of the Lord. It's liberty. It's freedom. It's a restoration of all things is what it represents. And that's exactly what takes place during the time of the millennial reign. Okay? Christ will be ruling and reigning and all that. Now, <clears throat> for time's sake, I'm not quoting it, but in Isaiah 61 verse 1 and 2, Isaiah prophesied and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For the Lord has, has uh, given me the power to preach the gospel to the poor. And I, I don't, I don't want to mess this up. But basically to give uh, to preach liberty to the captives, the setting free of those who are in the prison. And then he goes on down and he says, And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That term, acceptable year of the Lord, is, and this is why I'm, stay with me, is what they call jubilee. And then he goes on down and he finishes up and he said, And the vengeance of our God. Now, in Luke chapter 4, I'm going to read it so I don't mess it up. Like I say, I don't want to hold you forever, but I don't want you to miss this. It's very important. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands up, okay, in the synagogue, and he says, he, he quotes this. He reads it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, the recovery of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And notice he didn't say, and the day of vengeance of our God. He stopped right there because that wasn't the time for that fulfillment. He's fulfilling the first part of this. But here's the thing. When he says this, multiple, multiple, not everybody, Scholars say that this was a year of jubilee. Jesus is proclaiming, this is a year of jubilee, I'm going to fulfill the jubilee. You know, if you think about it, how is it that Jesus walked along, he saw Peter and Peter and Andrew and he said, follow me and I'll make fishers of me. And I always thought, how did they know him? You know, what was the deal? They just look up and go, all right, we're going to follow you. No, a year of jubilee was a Sabbath year. They wouldn't have been working and this was come to this place where they listened to Jesus preach and they had all this time and all of a sudden now he's calling them into ministry. And so if this is a year of Jubilee, it would have been A.D. 29 and 30. I can prove that factually, okay? We know that Jesus was crucified in A.D. 20, uh, 33. You back up three to three and a half years when he started his ministry. This was the beginning of his ministry, A.D. 29 to A.D. 30, okay? Was a year of Jubilee. 
Do your math. Every 50 years after that is another jubilee. So you come to the next jubilee, 2029-2030. I absolutely believe you can stand very strong in Scripture that the Lord's return, His second coming, will be in it prior to a year of jubilee, which represents the millennial reign that we go into. Now, let me give you something else. You can just stay where you are. At the end of this, you're going to be like, He so confused me. That's why I don't preach stuff like this normally, but people wanted to hear it, so I'm going to preach it. Okay, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, write that down. <clears throat> now, you'll remember, the Lord ties Noah into the last days, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, the Lord's speaking to Noah here, and he says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now, a lot of people go, that means man's going to live 120 years. But nowhere in the Bible does it confirm a generation to be 120 years. The only man we know of that lived 120 was was Moses. Actually, in in the book of Psalms, it says that a generation or the age of a man will be 70 years. Give or take, he could live 10 years, 80 years. So average lifespan is about 70 to 80 years is the, the way that the Lord looks at a generation. So he wasn't talking about 120 years. What was he talking about? A lot of people, again, a lot of scholars say he's talking about jubilee years. 120 jubilee years. There's actually those who went back and they, they took and applied the jubilee uh, years from the time of, uh, this is just quick information, from the time of Adam all the way through. If you do that, then you come out to the time where, where when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, would have been a jubilee year. When they were delivered from their captivity in Babylon, would have been a jubilee year. A lot of things happen on the Jubilee years. So if that's true, and he's talking about 120, God will not always strive with man, but there will be 120 Jubilee years. Go back and do the math if you want to. I just looked it up and studied it with some other people. But you know what the, what the next Jubilee year is? 120, 2029, 2030. Are your guts turning yet? You'll also know in, in Matthew 25, I'm give you all three months worth of information. In Matthew 25, it talks about the fig tree. It's referring to Israel, how that when the fig tree starts to bloom. Now, there's some different interpretation on this. So this is just possibilities I'm giving you. He says, when you see the generation that sees this, the rebirth of the nation of Israel, this generation shall not pass away until they see the coming of the Son of Man. Now, it's very possible that that took place in 1948 when Israel became a nation. The birth of the fig tree. If a generation is looked upon as 70, 80 years, give a few. 1948, 80 years be 2028. This generation shall not pass away until they see the coming of the Son of Man. And then I think I gave it to you, First Peter, or Second Peter chapter 3, where it says... A day with the Lord is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day. And he talks about the return of the Lord there. Well, if you go back and you look at, they call it a millennial week. Where if each day represents a thousand years, from the time that Adam was created to the time of Christ was 4,000 years. From the time of Christ's birth until the time where we are in the year 2030, give or take, would be 6,000 years. The next 1,000 years will be the 1,000-year millennial reign, which completes God's week, in which we enter into his rest, 2030, da-da-da, okay? <clears throat> now, those are just some 
really neat coincidences, amen, in which you look at it and you go, wow. So what you're thinking is, I want to give you some other things really quick. I'm out of time. I want to give you some other things really quick that I'm going to have to skip a lot on why I believe the possibility of the Lord's turn is during that time. Number one is globalization. If you look back in the book of Genesis, you study the Tower of Babel. Okay, after the flood, it wasn't a tower where they were trying to build to get to heaven. It was a tower of rebellion towards God. Nimrod was a picture of the Antichrist. Satan has always had a man. He doesn't know when the Lord's coming back. But he's always had a man ready to put in the place. And that man is going to be a one world leader. You've seen a picture of that with him. You've seen it with uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Perfect picture of the Antichrist. You see it with Stalin. You see it with Hitler. Some of you were around with Hitler and you was like, this is the end times. It could have been, but it wasn't the Lord's time. And now all of a sudden you see our world. You know, back then they were coming to one language and the Lord said, nothing will withhold them. And so he scattered them out. And ever since then, the devil's been trying to bring man back to one, one world government, one world economy. Any of you want to look at that? Look up the Bitcoin digital currency. Let me give you this real quick. Very interesting. They come out with a Bitcoin. They're trying to do this digital currency. And uh, obviously, you know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about a beast with seven heads, ten horns, rising up out of the sea, out of the Gentiles, okay? And that's where you're going to see the beast ride in on that right there. They just had a G7 summit. Seven countries making decisions for the digital currency of the world, a one-world monetary system, okay? And then you've got Bill Gates. Everybody knows Mr. Bill Gates, Bill Gates designed his own, it's called cryptocurrency. He designed his own cryptocurrency that he's wanting to get started into all of that. And the patent number, look it up, this isn't just internet, I I did a lot of research. The patent number that he got on that, March of 2020, 06-06-06-666. Read Revelation 13 in your own time, okay? But what happens is you've got a global government, a global economy, a global religion. You realize that the Pope, they're finishing up a temple in Dubai right now. And it is a combination of Christianity, what they call Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. The three world religions. A temple built so that we can all worship together. One world religion and a one world community. Also, Matthew 24, Jesus talks about the spirit of the Antichrist. You see that more now than you ever have. We are being, we, in America, I believe we were, we were a stronghold for Christianity and which God used to reach the world. But now we're not. We see a spirit of the Antichrist here. We're being persecuted socially, psychologically, in secular education. Okay, And I, if you're a school teacher, I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is what secular education, do your research as a whole, promoting everything to do with, especially in colleges, professors who want to make it a point to totally, they, they want to tear down the Bible, which they say they do not believe, but they spend their time devoted to trying to tear it down. That Your kids, you're paying a lot of money for them to listen to that crap is what it is. Social media bias towards the Lord, towards his word, open blasphemy and mockery of the Bible and the government is right along with it in the United States of America. We're no longer a Christian nation. You see a famine, worldwide shortage. All these things are not just one or two places like they have been in the past. Worldwide. 
The rise of Islam, you know, when the Bible talks about being beheaded in the last days, well, ain't it funny how the, the largest and fastest growing religion in the world removes people's heads with a butcher knife. Pestilence, Jesus talks about that. Sickness, rampant all over the world. Not to mention the condition of our churches. It's a joke. And the world's attitude towards Israel. All of these things. Okay, and here's the one thing I want to touch on. I guess I'm going to have to cut this off. Homosexuality. Okay, the rise of homosexuality and perversion. So what does that got to do with the last time? It's got a whole lot to do with it. Because if you'll read in Romans chapter 1, it's a cycle. And when a nation comes to a place or a culture comes to the place where they have embraced homosexuality, and our culture as a whole has embraced it. They promote it. It's on TV. And here's the thing. Even those who are not partaking of the perversion, and it's godless sin before the Lord. Let me say that. It's not an alternative lifestyle. It's not something you were born into. It's not something you're just experimenting with. The Bible says, read it in the book of Jude, that God poured out wrath upon Sodom and Gomorrah as an example of an eternal fire and punishment. It's sin towards God. But what has happened, we've been promoted to accept it. 30 years ago, if they had to put that junk on TV, the church would have lost our mind. Today, we just go, that's the way it is. That's right. You know, that's just the way it is. That's just the way we're going. God help us. I'm like, yeah, God help us. Right. Because if you look at the Bible and read it for Romans chapter 1, when a culture comes to that place, you're at a place of no return. The next thing that happens is God's judgment. And this stuff's not the United States of America. We were the last ones to jump on the bandwagon. And boy, we've jumped on it. The whole world as a whole promotes the acceptance of perversion and godless sin. It's blasphemy towards the Lord. And so in that, let me finish, okay? If God's theme throughout the book of the Bible and especially Revelation and the purpose of all this is to show people mercy and call people to repentance. One of the things you've heard preached less and less in the last 20 years, we don't use the R word. We just say things like, invite Jesus into your heart. Jesus fills the God-sized hole in your heart. You know, if you have a bad time in your marriage or a bad time in your, in your raising as a kid or, or, or you're experiencing, you know, you lost your job, you need God to fill that God-sized hole in your heart. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about repentance because that's offensive. Whereas in God's word, I look and Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, except you repent. If you do not repent, you will all likewise perish. This is where I get really unpopular with this. And here's where I'm at. And this is just what the Bible says. I'm not a, I am a hellfire brimstone preacher because that's what the Bible preaches. Okay. I don't mind. I didn't find. I'm not trying to scare tactic. Please. I'm not trying to scare tactic to get you all fearful and lead you up to the front of the church. I don't care if you come to the front of the church. That's not what I'm about. I'm about your soul. Because here's the thing. There is a day of wrath coming. Read it for yourself. Revelation chapter 20. Where all those who are unbelievers, their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. They're going to stand before the Lord. They're going to be judged according to their works. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Hell is real. It's just as real in 2021 as it was in 1821. It doesn't matter if you believe it or if you accept it or any of those things. It doesn't. You don't change God's mind because you change your mind. Repentance means a change of mind. So if you don't believe it, you better repent and change your mind. Because there's going to come a day. And here's what's sad. There are probably, I hope not, but there are probably in a room of people this number and this size who I've done lost your attention because you're thinking about a restaurant that you're going to end up in a devil's hell. That's very sad. You realize that. You realize, and this is like, well, I've got 
If it's coming 2023, 2030, I still got a couple of years. You might die today. They're burying a man that used to go to this church today, Mr. Ted Salmon. 50, I think he's 59 years old. You don't know when your day's going to be. And then some of you are like, well, I know the Lord, and I'm sure that where I'm going, so I'm good to go. The sad thing is you might be leading people to hell. Do you understand that? I want, I want to give you this, parents. I just want to talk to parents. Give me two minutes. Because I really think this is where the Lord wants me to focus on this morning. I want everybody to be saved. But we live in a culture. When I was a kid being raised up, it was nothing like what your kids are being raised in. You know, I talked about that seed and that during the summer you're sowing seed. There's a lot of parents who once a week you hope that somebody sows a seed into your kids because that's the only time that they hear anything to do with the Bible. So they come to church and there's hopefully at Sunday school or, or they're in the preaching or they're over there and somebody sows a seed. Now, I'm not taking away from the power of the seed. But what I'm saying is six days a week, Satan is sowing He's just pouring seed into their life. Pouring it. They go to the public schools. Those kids are pouring. Our teachers here would verify. They are being filled with wickedness and evil thoughts and everything to do with what's going on. You can say, we pray for little Johnny before he goes to school. You better do a whole lot more praying than that. Well, we, we bring him to church. Here's what I'm saying. I want to encourage you. Not only did you as a saved person face the day of wrath, you have been blessed with little ones. Who need to come to the knowledge of what? Well, they need to invite Jesus in the heart. No. They need to recognize they're a sinner. God saves sinners. He come to call sinners to repentance. Teach them the Ten Commandments. Teach them the law of God. How can they know what sin is if they don't know that? Most adults can't give you the Ten Commandments. So what we do, we take our kids to church and you know they hear something, they kind of get weepy and they're like, okay, let mommy lead you in the sinner's prayer. Okay, they're good to go. We're ready for the Lord. No, they're not. No, they're not. A person has to come to an understanding of I'm a guilty sinner before God. That happens through the Scripture and through the work of the Holy Spirit and the seed that you sow. I'm not telling you take your kids home, scare them, and lead them in a prayer. Like so many people have done. If you've done that, you need to repent. You need to lead your kids to righteousness. Bring them to the place where they understand. How do you do that? Live out your faith out loud. Quit being ashamed of the Lord. Quit being ashamed of the gospel. Men, quit making up stupid excuses for not knowing God's word. You know how to play football and baseball and everything to do with it. I'm not against sports. Listen to me. That's not what's most important. What good is it going to do for you to hope your kids make it to the major league when we got seven years left? What good is it if they made it to, to the NFL or they made it to the national soccer team or they made it to being a doctor and they made millions and you stand before the Lord and you watch your kid be cast into and your grandkids and your great grandkids into the lake of fire. What good was all this junk? So think about it because you say, well, Lord might not come back. They might hear the trumpet long before the Lord comes back. They might hear it and their souls called to the Lord. And God gives us a place to where we want to teach our kids and our grandkids and everybody else. You need to come to a place of repentance. Turn from your sin. Trust in Jesus. And receive grace and the gift of life. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Lord, I love you and I thank you so much, God, for your long suffering. 
I thank you, Lord, for loving us. I thank you for giving us an opportunity to repent. I thank you that it's by your word, by your spirit, God, everything you did for us to show us your love, your desire to save people. Lord, I pray for somebody here today that never come to a place of repentance in their life. Lord, that today, right where they stand, they don't have to come down front. Coming down front doesn't save anybody. Being baptized doesn't save, but God, in their heart before you, they turn from their sin. They trust in what you've accomplished for them and receive the gift of forgiveness and love. Lord, I pray that they turn to you today. And God is your people. Lord, that your word would be a trumpet in our hearts to call us into remembrance of what we're left here to do. Wasn't just saved to go to heaven, Lord. We're, we're traveling. But God, as we travel along, we all be picking up folks with us. And give us a boldness and a courage. And God, if our life's in a place where we're ashamed of the gospel because we love sin so much, Lord, I pray we'd repent and put that sin, forsake it out of our life. And that you would work through us, Lord, to be a witness and a light and to give hope. That we wouldn't bring you an offering of excuses. And Lord, if there's something in our life that keeps us from being not only a parent, but Lord, a witness to our kids. Lord, the greatest blessing is to be a witness of the gospel to our children. Lord, make us those kind of parents and grandparents. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, I know that was a, that was a long one, but that got you through that series, and we'll start something new next week. If you got any questions or anything like that, you're free to ask me, and I can give you a whole lot more scripture. That was just a real quick, believe it or not, that was a real quick uh, message on that. And let me say again, Lord might not come back in 2023, 2030. And if he doesn't, I know a lot of you should be like, B.C., you were wrong. There's going to be one day, I promise you this, this is a fact. There's going to be one day, I'm not going to be wrong. Because you're going to stand in front of the Lord with me, I'm going to say, I told you, I was right. <clears throat> That's a guaranteed victory, I promise you that. And my hope is that you're, that you're there in the number of the Lord's people. That's my ultimate hope. Uh, we'll be having our fall fest this afternoon starting at 4 o'clock. If you're cooking, be here at 3.30. With all your stuff, we got games we're going to have lined up. And basically, we got a family-friendly competition. Uh, that every, You don't have to take part in that. If you're here, if you just want to hang out, go, we just want to hang out. Good, hang out, eat, good food, good fun, good fellowship. But if you want to do it, a lot of prizes given. Simple, easy games anybody can do, okay? And then we got the race. If you if you want to try to do the race, we'll have it set up. It's for, uh, for uh, Leona's. There's a lot of good stuff. A lot, But anyhow... Uh, we've got several people. Let me say this. Most of them are younger people. Older people, we need people to represent us old folks. I think me and my wife are going to try that. David's going to get involved with that. Uh, and, it, and again, it's simple. You're not, it ain't like we're going to be guerrilla warfare and you're going to kill yourself doing it, okay? No gloves. No gloves. That's right. So is that, is that all I need to announce? If anybody has any questions, you can ask my wife or whatever on that. We just want to set it up to where the kids have big time. We do we want to set up the inflatable so some of you younger stronger guys got good backs want to help do that uh i'll be up here starting right after service i'm gonna grab a bite to eat and i gotta come back and start sitting on stuff if anybody wants help that'd be i appreciate that if you don't i appreciate that all right that it hey, oh, <coughs> go ahead uh,